Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? What it do, you beautiful savages? Clint Russell, Liberty Lockdown. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we had about 4 million minutes watched on YouTube over the past year. I can't even freaking believe that. <laughs> that is so crazy. Like, I was trying to quantify it in my head, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, and that, I mean, if you include the minutes of people listening to the show, we're talking, I mean, I do, I do at least five times, maybe, maybe significantly higher listens than I do views. So we're talking 30 million minutes plus over the past year of people listening to my voice. Creepy, really, really surreal to realize that. Um, but I couldn't be more grateful that you guys have given me some of your time. I hope that you find it valuable. Obviously you do, or you probably wouldn't be listening as much as you are. So I wanted to say thank you for that. Today, I'm going to be going through some news stories that you might've missed. And uh, there's a lot. Uh, basically, I do these every couple months where I kind of, I don't know, take an aggregate or I just put this mish, mishmash of, of underreported stories that I feel like deserve more attention and then I, I bring them to you. So I intend to do so today. Um, I'm going to be heading to, to Orlando for the week uh, with my mom <laughs> going to Disney World. It's going to be a, a blast. Haven't seen her in a while, so that'll be great. Uh, so this will be the last episode of this week. I will be back on Monday with Ed Dowd. He is uh, the guy who's former BlackRock employee, um, strongly believes that the, uh, the pandemic was utilized to allow central banks to paper over the hole that was in the budget already pre-pandemic. Pre so if you're not familiar with him, do not miss that one. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I hope I can put it on YouTube. I'm not sure yet. We'll see how the conversation goes. But if not, it'll be on Rumble, Rockfin, my locals, everywhere else. So also, if you uh, feel like you, you can't go a full week without hearing from me, I did an episode with Anomaly uh, last night. And I put that up on my locals. So if you want to become a supporting member of the show, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. This is an exclusively locals thing. It's going to be on Anomaly's uh, Patreon as well as on my locals. And that's it. That's the only place you can see it. So uh, libertylockdown.locals.com. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Don't run, no fun. You've got to get inside. You don't need to be scared. You don't need to be loud. Because you can survive even a mushroom cloud. No, you can't. If you want to be okay, gotta do what I say. Trust me, don't listen to this guy. You're gonna die. You better not run inside. It doesn't even matter anyway. So get inside and stay inside. Stay tuned, stay tuned to the news. If you want to be okay, gotta do what I say. So get inside and stay inside. Stay tuned, stay tuned to the news. Imagine thinking that watching the news is going to keep you alive from a mushroom cloud. <laughs> oh, God. We're so, we're in so much trouble. Um, that's the California PSA. My old stomping grounds of California. Serenading people on how to avoid the inevitable death that comes with a full-on nuclear war. Oh, that's, that's disturbing. <laughs> I'm very clown-pilled where I just laugh at all this stuff as opposed to getting depressed. So I hope that you're 
with me in that uh, that mode of viewing these things. Because if not, it, it could definitely make you very depressed. I, I choose to listen to incredible jams like that <laughs> and and just uh, just laugh at the insanity of it all. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone's wondering, if you see one mushroom cloud, it's very probable that you want to be near it, not as far away as possible, because it's not going to just be one. And uh, yeah, the, the Mad Max hellscape afterwards is no, nothing anyone wants to live in. So <sighs> I just wanted to start us off with something light, like uh, a PSA about nuclear war, you know? I talk a lot about the uh, the downsides and the reason to be very pessimistic when it comes to ESG. So I wanted you guys to be aware that there are some major areas of progress that, that we're making. I'll just put you in my camp, even if you're not. Um, we got Bloomberg, Bloomberg Market says that uh, Vanguard is walking out of the world's largest climate finance alliance, marking the coalition's biggest defection to date. If you guys aren't familiar, Vanguard is one of the top three money managers. I think in the world, certainly in America, we also have some positive news. Uh, BlackRock has closed its ESG fund due to lack of interest amid poor performance. That's according to CityWire. Uh, I think that these are really, really good signs. And I just, I don't want you guys to feel as if all hope is lost. Um, you know, there's there's a real reason to think that, that we're going to prevail against the ESG thing. And Ultimately, you know, they have a, a tool that we don't, their relationship to central banks. But if the central banks start to realize that ultimately they're going to lose their position of power, if there's a populist movement that, that starts to call for, for their toppling, well then, ESG may be backburnered. And I think that's what we're witnessing today, is that the there is a gr growing populist movement across the globe and while it isn't directly targeted at central banks at this point, as it should be, uh, it is getting closer to their doorstep and they don't like that. And I think that that's our job as the libertarians that understand ESG to really try and inform the people that are outraged, you know, in the Netherlands, for instance, with their farmers being shut down. It's not enough to just say, you know, BlackRock, State Street Vanguard, they're the bad guys. Like, it's important to understand that the the system only functions because of central banking. If it weren't for central banking, there wouldn't be $10 trillion under management of a single money manager like Larry Fink. It's just, it's not how the market would work. If there was a true free market economy, there would be too much competition. And ultimately, if you were managing people's money in an absurd fashion, especially if you were managing the most money on earth as Larry Fink is, well, you wouldn't be doing that for long because people would divest. They would go elsewhere. And the only reason that they don't is because the central banks have essentially created an oligopoly across not just the money manager market, but every market. And this is why, uh, you know, the people on the left, Jimmy Doors, for instance, they lament the fact that, you know, we have this illusion of choice. Uh, George Car Carlin was famous for pointing this out. It's like you can pick whatever it is, 21, 31 flavors of ice cream, but ultimately you only have a handful of choices for insurance or whatever. And uh, I think his point is well taken. The, the issue, as usual, is that the left 
while analyzing the issue relatively well, prescribe completely the opposite solution. They oftentimes turn around and say, well, we need a singular source, and that source should be the government, as opposed to these two or three you know, crony business operations. And I say, no. <laughs> I say, we need to have an actual free market where you do not have a all-powerful state that allows for there to be two or three providers in any, any particular market. And that, dear friends, is how you actually fix it at its root. Just to show you that I'm not being overly optimistic here, we still have the new chancellor of the UK this week talking about all of our favorite ESG talking points. So we're going to break this video down because I think it's important. This is the first COP. This is Richie Sunak, by the way. To bring together so many of the world's finance ministers, businesses, and investors with such a clear common purpose. Yeah to have a good relationship with the biggest governments and the biggest central banks on earth. That is their only purpose, only. To deliver the promise made in Paris six years ago to direct the world's wealth to protect our planet. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what the biggest, most wealthy people on the planet are interested in. God, the naivety of people, if they believe this shit is so insulting. The good news is that the will is there. At least 80% of the global economy has committed to net zero or carbon neutrality targets. 80% of the world has committed to starvation. That's what you ought to hear when you hear net zero. Our challenge now is to deploy the investment we need to deliver those targets around the world. To do so, we are accelerating three actions today. First, we need increased public investment. And I want to speak directly to the developing countries of the world. <laughs> we know that you've been devastated by the double tragedies of coronavirus and climate change. That's why the G20 is stepping up to provide debt treatments more swiftly. It's why the IMF are providing a new $650 billion allocation of special drawing rights. And Kristalina will say more on this later. And it's why we're going to meet the target to provide $100 billion of climate finance to developing countries. $100 billion of climate finance. Do you recognize the Orwellian Newspeak yet? Do I need to point this out? I don't really think I need to point it out. And while we know we are not yet meeting it soon enough, we will work closely with developing countries to do more and to reach the target sooner. This is basically finance imperialism. I just had that realization. I don't know if anyone's titled it as such, but that's what it is. It's conquest via lending, specifically from central bankers. Oh, it's so dirty. Ah. Over the next five years, we will deliver a total of $500 billion of investment to the countries that need it most. And we can do more today. I can announce that the United Kingdom will commit £100 million to the Task Force on Access to Climate Finance, making it quicker and easier for developing countries to access the finance they need. And we're supporting a new capital markets mechanism, which will issue billions of new green bonds here in the UK to fund renewable energy in developing countries. 
I'm looking at this and it says 2021. So I guess this is a, an older video. He's, I guess it's important to know though, since this is now the prime minister of, uh, of the UK. Oops, my mistake. But this is from COP26. I guess COP27 is what's happening now. Two tangible, practical examples of how we're delivering our promise of $100 billion. But public investment alone isn't enough. <laughs> it's not enough to just <laughs> rob the people uh, via taxation and give it to third world countries to produce solar power. <laughs> we also need to coerce big businesses into doing it. And I'm sure, uh, you know, a litany of other coercive means. Our second action is to mobilize private finance. Hey, I was right. Let me pay an enormous tribute to Mark Carney for his leadership, leadership that is delivering results. The Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero has now brought together financial organizations with assets worth over $130 trillion of capital to be deployed. Bingo. Who's he talking about there? Oh, BlackRock? Yeah, yeah. He's talking about the biggest money managers, which is exactly what I've been warning you about for over a year now. And uh, they're privy. They know exactly what they're doing. If you get the biggest money managers in tow, well, you can actually accomplish a lot. And by accomplish, I mean destroy the world. This is a historic wall of capital for the net zero transition around the world. What matters now is action to invest that capital in our low carbon future. To do that, investors need to have as much clarity and confidence in the climate impact of their investments as they do in the traditional financial metrics of profit and loss. So our third action is to rewire the entire global financial system for net zero. <laughs> If that doesn't concern you, you aren't listening closely enough. I'm gonna rewire the entire financial system just for this. Ah, and then the obvious, you know, hole in their well-laid plans is that you have developing countries with billions of people, China, India, cough, cough, that will not do this because their people will starve, ultimately nullifying your entire goal which is why I can only conclude that their actual goal is the control of the people and the new financial system with central bank digital currencies. Better and more consistent climate data, sovereign green bonds, mandatory sustainability disclosures, proper climate risk surveillance, stronger global reporting standards, all things we need to deliver. And I'm proud that the UK is playing its part. We've already made it mandatory for businesses to disclose climate-related financial information, with 35 other countries signing up to do the same. Today, I'm announcing that the UK will go further and become the first ever net zero aligned financial center. This means we are going to move towards making it mandatory for firms to publish a clear deliverable plan setting out how they will decarbonize and transition to net zero 
with an independent task force to define what's required. Oh, yes. The all independent task force appointed by me, Prime Minister of the UK. <laughs> oh, the, the corruption and fraud involved in this is astronomical. You know, people obsess over how much money like Pfizer and Merck and whoever else is involved in the, uh, the COVID hysteria. And they're like, this is hundreds of billions of dollars that they were able to extract from the global economy. Yeah, well, simultaneously losing trillions of dollars in economic growth elsewhere via, via lockdowns and shutdowns. Uh, this, that pales in comparison to what they're attempting to do with ESG. I just want people to like really grasp how big this plot is. We're talking about more money than any scam in the history of the world. And it's like not even close. We're talking exponentially larger. It's crazy. It's crazy how far reaching these lunatics are, <laughs> are dreaming. It, it blows my mind. So a renewed pledge to $100 billion a year of public funding over $130 trillion of private capital waiting to be deployed and a greener financial system underway. Six years ago, Paris set the ambition. Today in Glasgow, we're providing the investment we need to deliver that ambition. Now, I know when people hear about global finance, it can often feel remote and abstract, but we're not simply talking about numbers on a page. We're talking about making a tangible difference to people's lives, about cheap, reliable, and clean electricity to power schools and hospitals in rural Africa. I, I would like to point out that, yeah, we're not just talking about numbers on a page. We're talking about real change to real people's lives, but in the complete inverse of the way he frames this. He's talking about it as if this is going to save the world. I am warning you that if you allow these people to proceed with these plans and deploy a hundred plus trillion dollars in this fashion, there will be mass death of the current eight trillion people that live on this planet. Mass, excuse me, billion. About better coastal defenses in the Philippines and the Pacific Islands to protect people from storm surges. About everyone everywhere having fresher water to drink cleaner air to breathe, better insulated homes in which to live. That's the vision we're asking you to commit to. That's the opportunity we're asking you to invest in. And that's the work that we're asking you to begin today. Thank you. I, I apologize for making you listen to five minutes of that fucking scumbag. Um, thank, you for Mar thank you to Marty Bent for bringing that one to my attention. My God. My God. There's such utopians in discourse and dystopians in reality. Like what they will bring to us. The, the, pe the peasants, the peons from which they speak down to us on their stage will be excruciating. And they don't give a fuck. It drives me crazy. 
It drives me crazy to listen to people talk like this as if they have the ability to dictate how the global economy is going to look. Do you know how narcissistic you have to be to think this way? We're talking pathological, talking dangerous. These people are dangerous as fuck. You can listen to them, and yes, I know, I get clown-pilled, and it's funny because they're fucking idiots and they're assholes, and yeah, I get it. And I'm clown-pilled too. I laugh about this stuff when I'm done recording, but just for a, just for a moment, bear with me as we realize what we're actually up against. Because it's not as if this is just some college professor. He ought to be. He ought to be a college professor working at, I don't know, London School of Business or something, propagandizing the next generation to be woke. He really shouldn't be. But I mean, he's more suited to that. But if we don't stop these people, we're talking full-on starvation. Mass starvation. These are the same people that believed that lockdowns was a prudent remedy to an airborne virus. They're not fucking good at what they do, okay? That's the, and that's the nicest way I can put it. That's if you don't go the conspiracy theory route. If you just assume that they had the best intentions and they were actually doing scientific studies, well, they got everything wrong. Why would you believe that they're going to get any of this right when it comes to reimagining not just the global economy, but the climate of the planet itself? I don't even understand it. I don't understand how people on the left who identify the corruption that exists within the governments globally can then turn around and say, yeah, but this whole climate change, this carbon crisis, you know, oh, got it. Got to have a single world government. <laughs> it's fucking madness. It's insane. It's insane. And I don't believe that they have our best intentions at heart. And I don't believe that they believe in their plans. Not at the highest levels. Someone like Richie might because he's an idiot, obviously. But I think for the most part, it's a pure power play. and one that doesn't even really have a veneer of altruism to it. It's fairly transparent, is it not? Like, can you not see it? Because I feel like it's just screaming. It's like, for me, it's like watching SBF, the uh, CEO of FTX, in the months leading up to finding out that he's a fraud, where I'm sitting there going like, oh yeah, this guy's obviously a fraud. <laughs> like, what? He's talking about how he drives a Toyota? even though he's now worth $20 billion over, you know, a couple years period, and he's 30 years old, and he drives a Toyota. Oh, he's a fraud. He's obviously a fraud. Oh, I want to make a lot of money so that I can fix every problem on earth, but I'm not doing it yet because I have to make, you know, more money first. Oh, you're a fraud. You're a con artist. Well, this is how I feel when I hear Larry Fink speak, or Richie Sunak, or... Elizabeth Warren, or obviously Joe Biden, who doesn't have any fucking clue what any of this stuff means. No clue. He has no idea what they're talking about. None. He's just like, can I get home and have some pudding? When can I get home and eat some pudding? That's all Joe Biden is actually thinking. But he's the most powerful man on earth. <laughs>
imagine that. Just imagine believing that. Imagine believing that the president of the United States is the most powerful man on earth. Get the fuck out of here. Not even close. I'd say maybe top 100. <laughs> like you put every finance tycoon, every big banking family at the top of that list. And then Biden deep down there barely made the cut. It's laughable. Democracy is a fraud. It's a sham. It has become so crystal clear to me over the past couple of years that we have virtually no say in our political establishment. Virtually none. I think that Trump was a complete anomaly, an accident. And boy, did they show that that is never going to be allowed again. So, well, I still believe that, you know, trying in the political arena to a minor extent makes sense. Of course it does. Why would you not? It's the most peaceful route to trying to prevent some sort of crazy cataclysmic breakdown of civilization. However, if that's all you're doing, oh, fuck, we're so screwed. <laughs> we're so screwed. You know, I love the Libertarian Party, and I will be voting for them, almost certainly. But if that's all you're doing, we are not going to make it through this. We need to be innovating, creating, and recognizing that the people that rule over us are not the ones that you think do. And I'm not going some like crazy Kanye West rant, rant. I'm talking about the fucking power brokers, the money. Okay. Think, think for yourself here. Do you think an octogenarian who can't remember when a friend of his has died, <laughs> Joe Biden is actually in charge of the nuclear arsenal. Do you think that? Oh, sweet summer child. No, 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 no. <laughs> he, he is certainly not the guy that's in charge. There's no fucking way. I mean, I am as blackpilled on the government as anybody, but I don't believe for a second that we have a dude with dementia that has the unilateral right to fire nuclear weapons without anyone second-guessing him. That's lunacy. It's laughable. It's impossible. And allegedly, that's what the president gets. Sure, we have, a, we have an election where a bunch of idiots get to vote for somebody and then at the end of the day whoever gets 51% of the vote or the majority if there's you know multiple candidates or plurality rather um he then gets to have the codes to ending the world what an insane system like if you actually believe that that's madness like donald trump had the ability to launch a thousand nuclear warheads whenever he wanted to. You vote for that? Ah, oh, say it ain't so. That's so crazy. All right, I'll stop ranting on this one. That was fun though. What happened when you just relied on politicians to look after your rights? Well, they withered away and they died, did they not? That's kind of what happens when you allow your life to be put on autopilot. It pretty much assures disappointment. It does. That's just the reality. But there is one area of your life that you can take a little bit of that control back. Open enrollment is here. And that means now is the time to take charge of your healthcare decisions. The system isn't working. The healthcare system is completely broken. But thanks to CrowdHealth, we can do something about it. CrowdHealth puts your healthcare back in your hands. It cuts out the middleman, saves you money, and funds your healthcare costs without relying on big government or big insurance companies. Beautiful. 
Don't miss this opportunity. Since open enrollment is now here, you can pay one low monthly total to fund your account. Your monthly subscription helps fund healthcare costs for the entire crowd health community. And unlike insurance, there are no doctor networks so you can see any doctors you want. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. So this is all you got to do is go to joincrowdhealth.com. Joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. Take charge of your healthcare today with CrowdHealth. Open enrollment is the only time you can hit the eject button on the broken system without penalty, so do not wait. And for a limited time, join for just $99 per month for your first six months when you use promo code LOCKDOWN at joincrowdhealth.com. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. A little bit from our favorite idiot, Karine Jean-Pierre talking about how uh, some baker didn't want to bake a cake for a gay couple or whatever. Stupid nonsense. But what she says is, is enlightening. Do you have a comment on this specific case and any concerns from the administration about the potential wider implications of this particular case? So I want to be very careful here. Don't want to weigh in or prejudge uh, the, Supreme, the Supreme Court's outcome. You know, that's but I will something I'm going to do here at the, po at the podium, but to your point, more broadly speaking, and we have talked about this, we recognize the, uh, the uh, right to free speech, and we support ensuring that no one is discriminated against or refused services because of who they love and who. I think that's, it's fascinating because there's such an obvious conflict between those two topics, right? Like free speech and discrimination. Well, do I have the freedom of speech to discriminate? to say discriminatory things, or do I not? Like there's no logical congruity here. There's just obvious incongruity. And no one points it out because like people have gotten so far away from any sort of logical thought processes or even the capacity to analyze things in a logical fashion that they can't see that these things are in conflict. You can't have both, you can't they are. And so, as you know, we've been very clear about that. The administration believes that every person, no matter their sex, uh, race, religion, or who they love, should have the equal access to society, including access to products and services on the same terms as other members of public. Uh, look, Department of Justice said- Unless they're, uh, unless they're unvaccinated, obviously. Said, uh, in its brief that for decades, non-discrimination public accom accommodations laws have coexisted with the First Amendment. Uh, courts have recognized that we can recognize that we can require businesses open to public to service people, regardless of their backgrounds, even when that means businesses must incidentally um, uh, engage in speech which they are which they disagree upon. So this is no reason to upend this balance right now. No, there is no balance. You're saying that one has superiority over the other. Clearly, that's what you're saying. Just be straight about it. Like, I I would disagree, but I, at least I wouldn't feel like you're treating me like an idiot if you would just be honest. Uh, as, the, as the Department of Justice just laid out, as I just laid out what, uh, what they said in their brief, but again, I don't want to weigh in. I don't want to get ahead of, of, uh, of what the Supreme Court's decision will be on spends 90 seconds getting ahead of the Supreme Court only to say she does not want to get ahead of the Supreme Court. Look, I don't think it's cool to not want to serve someone if they're gay. I don't. But extrapolate a little bit. Okay, 
Now you have someone who is a Nazi. That's free speech, right? And they want to have you draw a cake. You're a Jewish baker. And they want you to make a cake. They don't even have a purpose for it. They're just doing it to basically harass you. And they hire you to create cakes that are saying all sorts of anti-Semitic shit. Like, first off, if I was the baker, I would say, thanks for the money, you idiot. Here's your cake. Like, that's how I would handle it. But if someone's some, you know, devoutly religious, um, observant Jewish person, and they go, no, I don't want to do this, I think they should have that right. You know why? Because they're not fucking slaves. They're not slaves. Why is this so complicated? Same thing goes for the civil rights movement. No, it's not cool if you don't want to serve the black community because you're a fucking racist. But the primary driver behind this was the government in the first place, the Jim Crow laws and things of that nature. Because at the end of the day, the dollar fucking talks, folks. And people want to make money, especially in this economy. So if we actually had a free market, you would have competition that says, oh, he doesn't want to bake your gay wedding cake. He doesn't want to bake your cake with a bunch of swastikas on it. I'll do it. I'll charge you 20% more, but I'll happily do it. Well, then you have a fucking option now, don't you? You don't need the government involved in this stuff. As always, there's a free market solution to all of this. And if you don't allow the free market solution to work, well, then you end up with a statist mess like we have now, where you have assholes at the podium talking about how, you know, there's no conflict here. There's a balance. There's a balance where a Jewish baker has to bake a cake for the Nazis, okay? It's all so dumb. These people are so fucking stupid. Urgh. The the homie James Lindsay bringing to light the education aspects of the woke agenda, the Marxist cultural revolution, whatever you want to call it. He says, let's have a look at what the teachers unions are up to. Here we see the NEA dropping a huge document about global education. Your kids will learn to be global citizens who achieve the UN Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals just like you always dream for them. And there's the NEA Foundation, Creative Lessons to Open Classrooms and Minds to the World. He goes on and he actually, if you want to check out his feed, he tweeted this out on December 6th. I'm not going to read through it all, uh, but some of the highlights, he says, lest the alliances of the NEA be in any doubt here, the white paper literally starts with framing through the World Economic Forum. It adopts their challenges and presents teaching the SDGs as a solution. SDGs being Sustainable Development Goals. Their agenda, starting with your kids in kindergarten or earlier where possible, is explicit to groom your kids to be Agenda 2030 activists for sustainability, a cute new word for totalitarianism. That way they can be global citizens which aren't real and shouldn't be. Correct, James. There is no such thing as a global citizen. It says those new, newfangled things like project-based learning and active learning are vehicles for this objective of transforming your child into a neo-communist shithead. Of course, we already saw extensively elsewhere that social-emotional learning is central to it, too. What do these lessons plans look like, grade by grade? Well, let's start your kids' education in kindergarten by teaching them about world hunger and how unfair it is, really using social-emotional brainwashing techniques to connect their emotions and personal experiences. Make sure your six-year-old know 
about the importance of taking action and can identify the 17 sustainable development goals of the United Nations Agenda 2030. First grade has never been like this before. Yeah, no shit. We were like teaching colors in first grade before, and now we're teaching them about starvation in Africa and how you're guilty for it because you were born in America. Not cool. Lesson plans just get worse as they go up. Skipped years in my presentation are all about clean water and trash management, equity, awareness, advocacy, action, community organizing. It's just straight up Marxist propaganda. It's so evil. I'm not going to read any more of it just because I'll pull out my hair, but it's uh, it's so dangerous. And the, the reason that I, I, I harp on this topic so much is because it's your children that are getting this indoctrination right now. Right now. Assuming you don't homeschool, assuming you haven't lucked out and got a non-woke elementary school teacher, which is getting more and more rare. It's so bad. I mean, like, if you expect us to have any hope for the future, we have to stop letting these kids be programmed into these lunatics. Like the Kareem Jean-Pierre's of the world, all of these people that now rule over us, like they're products of this stuff because they're like academics. They went through, you know, Ivy Leagues or whatever. I don't even know where she went to college, but you know what I'm saying. It's uh if we're gonna if we're gonna ever win this fight, the the fight for the minds, it has to start young. They realized this a long time ago. This is why they've been doing the long march through the institutions for a hundred years. This is why. Because they get it. And for whatever reason, the People that believe in individualism and free markets and whatever, uh, you know, us, um, we have lost that fight big time. And we have to stop losing that battle. Like, it's so important. It's really, to me, it's the linchpin. Like, if we don't find a way to stop programming our children into th our enemies, that's, that's literally what it is, right? Well, guess what? You don't stand a chance. So you might want to change that up. Here's a little bit more from our notorious KG, KJP, Green <laughs> Jean-Pierre, talking about how Elon's leaks, aka just giving us the evidence of what the government did, uh, regarding the Hunter Biden story and how it's a distraction. Look, we see this as a, a an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that... Uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that is a that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> it's a distraction, implying that it's not real, but it's also old news, which implies that it's real. So which is it, KJP? Notorious? Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger hate and anti-Semitism on their platform. Yeah, very real questions by people actually trying to distract you from the truth. More than 700,000 jobs about the Chips and Science Act, talking about how we're bringing manufacturing jobs back here to the U.S., talking about under this administration, more than 700,000 jobs uh, have been created. Uh, yeah, because lockdowns ended. Real gangbusters job reports. Uh, in manufacturing jobs to be more specific. Look, what is happening, it's, it's not, it's, it's frankly, it's not healthy. It won't do anything to help a single American improve their lives. And so look, this is-
Yeah, knowing who rules over you doesn't help you improve your life. Sure. We we see is that as an interesting, uh, you know, cons, uh, you know, coincidence, uh, and uh, we, and you know, it's a distraction. What a fraud! What a fraud! I did want to talk a little bit about the uh, the leaks. I don't know if you guys have followed all four of them. They're like Iliad Odyssey level reading. <laughs> They're very long, um, but essentially, what it's doing over over each, I don't know, segment. It's just demonstrating what I've been talking about and what many of you have known is that, uh, yeah, our government has migrated from, you know, controlling the CBS, the NBCs of the world, the biggest avenues for news dissemination pre-internet. And what did they do? Well, they're not idiots. They identified that, you know, Operation Mockingbird doesn't work so well if no one's watching CBS Nightly News. Walter Cronkite ain't around no more. So what'd they do? Well, they identified, you know, the five or six biggest social media platforms and biggest, uh, you know, video platforms. And they said, well, we can do this again. <laughs> we can find a way to coerce these people because they also want to have a good relationship to the government, just as Walter Cronkite and all of the newscasters of our childhood or not my childhood, but, uh, you know, generations prior it's so transparent but we just didn't know it we just didn't know it for sure now we do the evidence is all there cdc the fbi yoel roth the former trust and safety head of twitter who's very questionable when it comes to his view of children which i'm not going to get into but uh oof. Dirty, dirty guy. Anyways, um, yeah, Yoel Roth openly acknowledging he had weekly, weekly meetings with the FBI. Oh, it's a it's a private business. It can do what it wants, right, libertarians? The fucking head of the censorship protocols for Twitter was having weekly meetings with the FBI. Do you fucking hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? Private business, no coercion there. Come on. Okay, sure. He agreed with them ideologically, so I guess it's not coercive in nature. But he's also propagating deep state propaganda. He's he's basically cultivating and curating your newsfeed to go along with things that the FBI doesn't find problematic. Is that free speech? No, it's not. Should it be? Well, because the FBI is part of the fucking government, then yes, it should be free speech. Because when the government is involved in curating your speech, you have a constitutional right to speak freely. And they are not allowed to. And it is illegal. If you go along with it, you're breaking the law as well. Someone's breaking the law. If it ain't Yoel Roth, it's the fucking FBI. I think it's both. I don't care who goes to jail, but it needs to be one of them or disbanded abolition, something. Can we get something, anything? I really believe that if the, if the GOP wants to demonstrate that they have any inkling of representing the American people, there is tremendous political will. Look at the tweets that Elon Musk has put out over the past couple of days. My pronouns are Fauci lock him up or whatever he said. 
and it's like hundreds of thousands of people liking it. <laughs> people want payback. They want punishment. And it's not so much out of vengeance as it is reestablishing the rule of law. Realizing that when people commit egregious atrocities, as Fauci did and is doing, well, you go to jail for that, okay? Yes, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. Yes, I don't really believe in the state. And yes, I want to see people that commit atrocities spend every second of the remainder of their lives in prison. Yes, I do. If you think that's inconsistent, I don't care. <laughs> I want these people to go to prison because they have harmed millions, in my opinion, 7 billion plus people by propagandizing them into doing something that was completely counter to their best interests. Completely. We need some sort of punishment. Some. And it can't just be, oh, you don't get to be the head of NIH anymore or NIAID, AID. No, that's not enough. Because if you can just, you know, rotate him into being a talking head for CNN, well, the Yoel Roth becomes the head of NIH. Like, that's not okay. That's not progress. We need fucking prison times, prison sentences, extended prison sentences. That's what we need. That's what the people want. Okay? I'm a populist. I believe in democracy all of a sudden. Democratically speaking, a majority wants to see Fauci in prison. Let's do it. Huh? Sorry, I take on a... Italian affectation when I start to believe in democracy and mob rule. <laughs> I'm not going to read this article to you because uh, I don't really know the legitimacy of it, but it's on, it's in the New York Post. Andrew Huff was the uh, former VP of EcoHealth Alliance, our friends that uh, Fauci was giving the grants to for their, their work, their research over at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And he says that, uh, yeah, that's where it came from. Okay. So the guy that worked for EcoHealth Alliance as their VP from 2014 to 2016 said the nonprofit helped the Wuhan lab put together the best existing methods to engineer back coronaviruses to attack other species for many years. China knew from day one that, that this was a genetically engineered agent. Huff wrote the U S government is to blame for the transfer of danger by uh, dangerous biotechnology to the Chinese. I was terrified by what I saw. The army veteran from Michigan told the sun, we were just handing them bioweapon technology. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Um, you know, it could be a limited hangout. So take it for what it's worth. But I think it's important to realize that, uh, you know, it's not just fringe conspiracy theorists. It's the people that were actually funding the fucking research that are saying this stuff. Come on, man. Oh, I forgot to mention that Elizabeth Warren was very upset about Elon. <laughs> and anytime she's upset, it makes me happy. So let's listen to it. That, um, Democrats are picking on Elon Musk. Elon Musk is doing just fine. But do you think that users have a right to freedom of speech, even if what they're saying is wrong or offensive? Uh, the answer is no. No, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren does not think that you have a right to freedom of speech. Listen to, listen to her fucking crazy response, though. I think that one human being should not decide how millions of people communicate with each other. One human being should not be able to go into a dark room by himself and decide, oh, that person gets heard from, that person doesn't. That's not how it should work. Incredible. Incredible, because that's literally the reason for the First Amendment is that we don't want people, whether it be an individual, a king, or it be 535 pieces of garbage like her, sitting in a room 
privately deciding who gets to talk and who doesn't. Which, by the way, is what the government has been caught doing over the past three years. And as we all know, it has been going on our entire fucking lives. But we now have evidence that it has been at least occurring for the past three years. At least. So, yeah. You're right, Liz. Pocahontas, we don't want you to be able to dictate what we're allowed to say. And the fact that Elon is allowing us to say more is a positive. That's a positive. That's a that's a step in the right direction, not the wrong direction. You idiot. You liar. You fraud. You thief. That um, Democrats are picking. That's heard from. That person doesn't. That's not how it should work. That. Yeah, they want their power back. That's the truth. Their entire aversion to Elon Musk, their entire aversion to it, is that he has competing power. He has a similar level of power in this one arena, and they can't stand it. You've seen uh, whatever that one leftist lunatic on Twitter, I forget his name, but he was saying Elon Musk is a perfect example of why we need to tax billionaires to death or something to that effect. It's like, yeah, we get it. Like, your entire belief in the state is about dominating your opponents and envy. But in the power structure, it's primarily about just dominating your ideological opponents. And it's sad because I don't want to dominate you. I want you to be able to do whatever you want, but away from me. But you're, that's not okay. That's not, a, that's not a compromise position that's on offer. I have no choice but to take on your worldview to defend myself because you believe in using the monopoly on violence through the state to dominate me, which puts me in the position of having to care what you think and have to say because you have used the monopoly on violence to dictate that I must live according to your desires. I find that compromise position completely untenable. There is no compromise to be found, and this... My dear friends, is why we find ourselves at loggerheads. I cannot compromise with you, you fucking tyrants. Cannot do it. Will not do it. Shan't not do it. Ugh. Movies Plus wants to take Hollywood back to focusing on good storytelling instead of pushing agendas. If you're sick of woke being jammed down your throat, they are the place to be. They are freedom of speech maximalists. Their first original series, Q Sent Me, about the Q Shaman and the real story of J January 6th. That's by Jason Rink, my homie. Uh, premiered on November 11th, and they have more originals coming out in the next couple of months that everyone is going to want to watch. I promise you that. I've already seen the first uh, installment of Q Sent Me, and it's fantastic. They have a bunch of other original documentaries that are phenomenal, too. And they also have uh, just a whole library of Hollywood titles that you can check out, all commercial-free for just $5.99 per month. And you get to support a platform that is promising, committed to actual open dialogue, actual free creativity, speech, all of the stuff we believe in. And you can use the promo code LIBERTY and get $5 off the annual subscription. Again, go to mymoviesplus.com or search for Movies Plus in any app store or smart TV to watch on your favorite streaming device. That's mymoviesplus.com, promo code LIBERTY. There's a former CNN reporter, Maria Ressa. She said on Colbert that there's a reason why 60% of the world today is now under authoritarian rule, and that is social media has come in and used free speech to stifle free speech, right? End quote. Uh, 
that she went on CNN and followed up with this. But listen, I think there's a, you said there's a lesson in it for all of us. It's yeah. not just in China. It's a, there's an, this is all about, as you say, information warfare. warfare. And, but America is not immune to it. And We're you've the, already been targeted. Not immune to it. We fucking propagate it more than anybody. Are you kidding me? Did, right? You, yeah. I mean, the thousand-page Mueller report with all the data that's been pushed out, uh, this social media, the tools of, of gathering data on each of us, now has insidiously manipulated us. Uh, it is at a point where journalism becomes nearly impossible because the distribution system actually rewards lies. But you were such a proponent of Facebook in the beginning. I am. And now I was. you are fighting so hard and ringing the alarm bells. Their, you know, answer is free speech. And I think about Justice Brandeis, right? And when did he say it? He well, said 1927. that. 1927. Exactly. The answer, like free speech is more free speech. That doesn't work today. Yes. Imagine believing that like there aren't some principles that stand the test of time, like the right to self-defense, for instance, enshrined in the Second Amendment or the right to competing speech being better uh, to fight, you know, incorrect speech than censorship is. No, no, no. That doesn't doesn't stand the test of time. There aren't any sacred truths. Critical theory in practice. Here we go. Not in the age of exponential lies. Not in the age of, of at a time when. And frankly, journalists bear the brunt of this, right? Because I've never been. Don, I see the attacks. You know, it's like we've never been at a time when we're so individually, personally vulnerable. Vulnerable. Don Lemon lies constantly. He is reviled because of that fact. Not because he's black or gay or any of the other IDP stuff that you want to apply to it. We don't like any of the people on CNN. Straight white men included, if there are any. You're all liars. That's, that's our entire aversion to you. And we're not propagating lies. There's not exponential lie creation that's happening because of social media. You had... A monopoly online to us, and now we have a little bit of a uh, leeway to be able to push back, and you find that untenable because it fucks your whole game up, and we're on to it. Because information warfare uses free speech mm. to stifle free speech. You say a lie a million times, you pound someone to silence. Um, we've got it. That's literally what CNN has done my entire life. Just say lies for a million times until it pounds it into the truth. That's what you guys do. And you hate it that that monopoly is ending. I get through this time, but but part of it is also the, the failure of democratic governments to put guardrails in place, legislation on social media. This is... God, I despise these people. And it has nothing to do with their gender or sexual orientation or skin pigment. Ah! I value free speech. If you don't, you aren't an ally. You are a threat. You're a threat to anybody that believes in freedom at all. Like the, as I said last week, the genesis block. The genesis block of freedom is the ability to think and speak your mind. If you can't do that, you are so far from free, it's unbelievable. And the fact that these fucking scumbags think that they have the moral authority to talk to talk to us like that. Uh, this is really a failure of democracy that we haven't put guardrails in place to keep the peasants from thinking for themselves. That's what she's saying. 
Is it not obvious? No, we need we need authority figures like Don fucking Lemon <laughs> to have a monopoly on the narrative. <laughs> I see the hatred that you get, Don. Oh, it's so overbearing. Well, it's because he's full of shit, and on top of that, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. All of you are idiots, and we aren't. And we see that, and you think you should fucking rule over us, and it's exhausting, okay? It's exhausting, because you're not better than us. You're not. And we don't have some superiority, superiority complex where we want to rule over you, even though we're clearly better than you. Clearly. Clearly. It's not even in dispute. But we still don't want to rule over you, because not only are we better than you, but we're also morally superior, because we don't believe in enslaving our lessers because we're woke as fuck like that <laughs> ah! excuse the rant <laughs> when people start talking about you know speech suppression in such a pithy way really rubs me the wrong way all right let's get you out of here on this Joining me now on that and some other topics today is the NSC coordinator for strategic communications, John Kirby. John, welcome. Always good to have you with us. Thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. You, you know, this is an interesting. NSC is National Security Council, and this is John Kirby. This is one of the most uh, high-quality interviews of a you know political person I've seen in a long time. So God bless Fox News for allowing this to happen. A situation that has developed with with Apple, and and I want to start there and get your take on what Apple is doing because they have restricted, uh, which is what the Chinese government wants, some use of AirDrop ability from iPhone to iPhone because they're cutting the service down, and this is the way the protesters are communicating with each other. What does the White House? What do you say to Apple about helping the Chinese government to keep their people under control? Look, in general, and we've uh, been clear about this all around the world, we uh, uh, we want the individual citizens, uh, no matter what government they live under, to be able to communicate freely and openly, transparently and reliably. Uh, and we, Which is why we want Twitter to be taken off of the Apple Play Store, <laughs> or the Google Play Store, the Apple uh, whatever podcast. Uh, we've made that clear with respect to Iran, and we certainly continue to make that clear here with respect but to have China. You made that now, clear to Apple, Apple, <laughs> Apple, Apple's a private company, Martha. They have to make uh, decisions, and uh, they have to speak for those decisions. But yes, Apple's a private company. Twitter needs to be nationalized. Makes perfect sense. No logical incongruity there. But here at the White House, here in the administration, we want to see that that individual citizens, whether they're protesting or not, uh, but in this case, I know that's the context we're talking about, are, are able to communicate freely and openly. But why not say something to Apple? Because we were just told the other day that the White House is keeping an eye on Elon Musk and Twitter. So why yeah. would you say that from the podium? You didn't say it, but Karine Jean-Pierre said it. And not call Apple out for helping the Chinese government to suppress their own people's ability to communicate. Uh, again, I think we've been very clear and consistent on this. Uh, <laughs> she's, uh, she's literally pointing out your inconsistency. And he's like, I think we've been very consistent on this. Publicly, we've been very open about uh, our desires to be able to see citizens communicate. Uh, and, and, you know, Apple uh, just not on Twitter. <laughs> if this is a decision that they're making, then uh, they should have to speak to that. But uh, we, you know, we're not we can't and we aren't in the business of, of telling private companies how to, to execute uh, their their initiative. Yeah, but Twitter's uh, but a private we, company, too. So why is Twitter getting one treatment and Apple's getting another is my question.
Well, these are completely two different circumstances. You're talking about the potential. Well, yeah, one is where we want to suppress speech, and the other is where the CCP wants to suppress speech. I don't, I don't understand why you don't get this, Martha. I'm sorry, I forget her name. We're talking about the uh, the potential for perhaps uh, foreign investment and involvement uh, in the management of Twitter. That's a different issue than what we're talking about here, which is a business decision by Apple with respect to how one of their uh, applications is being well, utilized. Certainly they're Those getting influenced by, the, by a foreign government, uh, and that government is China. And Apple's no, policies, look, they've changed policies specifically for China when it comes to what they put on their phones. Right. I mean, and that I think, seems like something Apple, that the White House ought to be able to keep an eye on. She is eating this motherfucker's lunch. I th certainly think that's a fair question to ask Apple and, 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 and try to un and make them uh, communicate why they did this. But I'm asking, uh, has we, the White House done that? Uh, have you reached out to them as a matter of national security, since we obviously have national yeah. security concerns with China, who they seem to be aiding sure in do. this process? Sure, I don't have any communications to speak to specifically with Apple executives again. The answer is no. <laughs> We're not reaching out to Apple because we don't care what the CCP does because we agree with speech suppression. That's the obvious answer. It's a private company. Uh, they make these policies and they should have to answer for that. What we want to see is that citizens are, are reliably able to communicate, whether it's a time of crisis or not. It's a private company that uh, our FBI sits down with weekly and we uh, we tell them what to put in their terms of service. And as far as we're concerned, Apple's doing a great job, whereas Twitter, uh, which is no longer publicly traded and privately held and is actually a private company, uh, very, very unhappy with their refusal to continue with our weekly FBI meetings. Uh, we really miss Yoel Roth. And that's about all I have to say about this, Martha. Yeah, but you, I, I go back to the same thing because we were just told that the White House will keep an eye on Twitter because they're concerned about the new Twitter 2.0 that Elon Musk is in, putting in where he wants more free speech on Twitter. So they're gonna keep an eye on Twitter and yet you're taking a hands-off approach. You say there's been no communication with Tim Cook at Apple said, about this process in China with the Chinese government? Martha, I'm not aware that there's been any conversations uh, specifically with Apple on this particular issue. It's a private company. And as for Twitter, <laughs> again, Martha, these are apples and oranges. We're talking about potential foreign investment issues, and I have nothing to report in terms of any investigations in that regard. But that well, like since when is it illegal to have foreign investment into American businesses? Our stock market is held up based off of that fact to a tremendous degree. Tremendous. So weird. That was the general concern with respect to, to Mr. Musk's uh, purchase of Twitter. Uh, this is a different issue. This is a policy issue inside of Apple. Uh, they, they both involve foreign governments, I would argue. Um, so, you know, we'll, we can circle back around on that. I want to ask you one more. Yeah, the other foreign government it involves is our own because they don't represent the American people. And that couldn't be more crystal clear when you point out the hypocrisy and he can't deal with it at all. This is so glorious. Good job question here, and we're going to get to this a little bit later as well. Elon Musk has just come out and said, uh, and, and by the way, I just want to point out that Elon Musk helped protesters in Iran and in Ukraine by getting Starlink up and working. So he did the absolute opposite of what Tim Cook at Apple is doing right now. Right. And now they're, you know, dragging him through a fire because he's no longer playing by their exact rules. It's so, it's so obvious how this game works.
now, but but I want to get your uh, attention to this. He says, uh, the obvious reality, as longtime users know, is that Twitter has failed in trust and safety for a very long time and has interfered in elections. Twitter 2.0 will be far more effective, transparent, and even-handed. He's been talking about opening up the communications that existed between entities, perhaps even the U.S. government, perhaps even the White House, and Twitter about suppressing the Hunter Biden story. Are you concerned at all? Are you aware of any communications between uh, the government and Twitter to say, put a, put a handle on this story? And it was suppressed. We know that Facebook said that there was interaction between some government yeah. officials and them about being very cautious about this Hunter Biden story right before the election. By the way, we now have evidence that Yoel Roth was receiving those same exact meetings that Zuckerberg talked about on Joe Rogan. I'm certainly not aware of any conversations or dialogue in, in that respect. Plausible deniability. That's a confirmation right there. Back, Martha, no. So he doesn't want to say any more than that. <laughs> you know, what do you say about the fact that he says that there was interference in the election? Because I know that the president has been very passionate about threats to democracy and right. freedom in our elections. So if, if he's saying there's a concern that Twitter has interfered in elections, I would assume that would be a concern of, of yours and the White House's as well. Well, it depends. Is the interference to our benefit or not? <laughs> well, certainly we want to make sure that our elections are free and fair and open and transparent. And any threat to that obviously is a concern of ours. I I'm not aware of. Ex but I haven't looked into this at all, which demonstrates that it's not actually a concern of ours. Exactly what Mr. Musk is speaking about here. I look forward to getting more information about that so we can better understand uh, what he's alleging here. Uh, but obviously, we want our elections to be free and fair and open. And we know that social media in general uh, was capitalized on from the Russians in particular in 2016. And they tried it uh, in 2018 and they attempted to do it again in, uh, in, in 2020. And they claimed that they were working uh, to try to interfere with our election th that we just had, the midterm. So, so we're always watchful for foreign interference and certainly social media is a venue through which bad actors right. can try to do that. But I'm just not familiar enough with what Mr. Okay. Musk is talking about here. <laughs> All right. By the way, this is Martha McCollum. God bless her. I don't know how this segment got aired, but like she's the real deal. Uh, Newfound respect, incredible. John Kirby looks like a complete lying scumbag, which he is. And uh, yeah, that was phenomenal. Let's hear what her closing comments are. All right, no, no doubt. But you're, you're not suggesting that the Hunter Biden story was Russian disinformation, to be clear. Uh I, I, I am, I'm not suggesting anything uh, with respect to that specific investigation. Okay, we'll see where it all goes. I, I know you're short on time and I have to let you go. Um, I hope you'll come back soon, John, because we do have more questions and we appreciate you spending time with us today. You bet, Martha, anytime. Yeah, he'll never be back. He is never, ever going on your show again. <laughs> that was such a demolition. Oh, I love it when stuff like that happens. It's just those like rare moments of actual journalism. Like, just reminds you that it's a thing that exists. You're like, oh, yeah, that's what you guys used to do. Awesome. Man, I wish there was more of that. We would really be in a much better place if there was more of that. Like the uh, the fourth estate or whatever they call it, they've really let us down by not, you know, speaking truth to power and actually call, holding them to account, pointing out the obvious hypocrisy, how you tweet twi Twitter versus how you are treating, uh, you know, Apple. It's, it's obvious if you're a thinking person as to why the difference of treatment is that one entity 
works on behalf of the state still. And one entity used to work on behalf of the state and it's not doing it so much anymore. And you guys don't like that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we got a little bit of freedom back and it's so tragic. Oh, I hate these people. <laughs> sorry, I'm like on the verge of a, you know, manic breakdown because this is just too funny. Oh my God. All right, that does it. I just wanted to give you guys a, a rundown of some stories that you probably didn't hear covered uh, as much. And uh, I hope you found it enlightening. As I said, if you want to check out the episode that I did with Anomaly, it was really, really high quality. Seriously, it was really good. Uh, we did it just yesterday and it is available exclusively on my locals. Go to libertylockdown.locals.com. Sign up to become a supporting member of the show. It doesn't cost you much and it allows me to run less ads and grow the show more rapidly. We got over 10,000 people listening to every episode, some episodes way more. If we could just get, you know, a thousand people to actually become supporters, I could probably stop running ads at that point and, uh, you know, just focus on delivering you the high quality content that you love. I don't know why my voice got high. Anyways, uh, last but not least, go to toplops.com if you want to become a walking billboard and support the show. Like, comment, subscribe, share. Like, right now, hit the like button. And then once you're done hitting the like button, comment, say, Clint, oh my God, your shoulders look incredible in that blue shirt. Or, Clint, you need to lose weight. And you're both right. Um, and then what's the next one? Subscribe if you haven't, because that helps with the algos. And then uh, share it. Huh? Do you get more truth elsewhere? If you do, comment below. Tell me who tells you more truth than I do. Who's who's actually trying to be as honest as humanly possible 24/7 more than me? If you got if you got someone who's more honest, not the same amount of honesty, I'm saying more honest. Comment their name down below. I'll invite them on the show cuz I don't fucking believe you. Don't say Whitney Webb. I want her on the show. I've invited her. It's tough to get her on. It'll happen eventually. Um but like, she just knows more than me. She's not trying to tell the truth more than me. She just knows more. <laughs> That's different. All right. Thank you guys. Uh, as always, leave five-star reviews wherever you're listening and, uh, and share the show. Love you. See you on Monday with Ed Dowd. That one's going to be huge. Do not miss it. We're out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?